I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, I'm joined by Hallie. Hallie, adjusting her microphone. and yes, sorry. Uh, it's, it's from there. <laughs> I'm ready. Cody, already. Uh, and it's awesome. Uh, well, today, we wanted to jump into, a, I think, a really relevant topic. Um, you know, if you look at any headline for any industry, uh, it is about... Uh, cutting expenses. We are coming into stormy clouds. In fact, actually, yeah, this morning I read something where it said uh, uh, the CEO of BlackRock said, "It's no more. It's not. It's no longer a stormy cloud. We're actually coming into a hurricane." And how long the hurricane lasts, I don't think everybody knows, but it's he's they've moved up their assessment, which seems like every reporting cycle, every week, every month, there's a, a new either analyst, like in our industry, right? At the beginning of the year, it's like sales are going to hold tight at 6.2 million. That was January, right? And then in March, it's like, oh, they're going to drop to 5.8, but we're still going to be good. And then just recently, it's like, oh, 5.5, right? It's almost like but it's still going to be strong. It's almost like they're denying what's going to happen. And then every quarter just keeps getting trickled down lower and lower, which we, we believe that sales will drop to about 5 million annual sales, um, uh, for the housing market at the end of 2022. Now saying all of that, uh, I think every industry has pockets of growth, um, and they will have, um, generally downturns. And what I mean by that is there's been a lot of uh, companies that have over the last 10 years enjoyed this uh, almost free money, like profit doesn't matter uh, as long as you're growing and we can resell your company at a higher valuation and be bought out at a multiple times of this. And this is what matters. And you know, this, you know, the great question for this is, would you buy a piece of real estate at 30 times its revenue? <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's the real, you mean if it's value? No, 30 times, that's what I'm saying, 30 times is revenue. revenue from a piece of, what's the revenue? The rental income. Oh, we're talking about like an investment property, not a single family home? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, you, you, of course you wouldn't, wouldn't. you wouldn't, nobody would like it's, it's that math just doesn't work. Yeah. Like it's like, that's what, but that's what these companies did was they're valuing on revenue and they're not making money. It'd be like literally going out there and buying an investment property. If you said, let's just use round numbers. It makes a hundred thousand dollars in gross revenue, not net, not EBITDA, like a net, like a gross revenue. Mm -hmm. And you go out there and like 20, 30 times X their revenue. So it'd be like paying, you know, $20 million for a company that has a hundred thousand dollars in gross revenue that is making $10,000 in profit or $20,000 in profit. So what's happening, what you're seeing is a lot of these companies and you're seeing venture capitals basically go, uh, you need to have stability. You need to be a path to profitability really quickly within months, if not a year, right? Um, somewhere around that part. And we are going to invest into companies that are, have a moat built around them and that actually makes sense to make money. And that's what you're seeing happening. So what is, what the world is starting to adjust to is that you're seeing these layoffs start to occur. I mean, every day in our industry this morning, I just saw like another company, another company laid off 10% of their sides. Yeah. And, 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 and it's funny because in our organizations, we're actually hiring, which I was thinking about this morning, though. I don't think we, we've always been built on profitability. So we've never had right. that luxury of going out there and raising money. So we've had to grow with our internal cash flow while protecting our margins. I was gonna say, nor have we ever done mass hiring. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so I think some of those companies did do, mass hiring, whether that was 50 to 100 to 1,000 people to ramp up for a potential demand or for the current demand. And then, of course, when it um, went backwards, they had to lay all those people off. Yeah. And remember, when you go out and you raise $100 million, you know, found, people don't realize this. When you're when you're raising money, say you get a billion-dollar valuation, you raise $100 million, the majority of that money has to be used for growth. 
Like the, it, the people have this idea that when, when, if a founder raises a hundred million dollars, that that money is coming off the table to them. The reality is most of the time, like a couple percent of that is coming off. Sure, yeah. Maybe like 5%, maybe 3%. Maybe it's your, you're sweeping your reserves that happen to be in there. But the, the point is, if it's making a lot of money, they go, well, why do you need our money? And how are you going to use it? So it's like when people raise a hundred million dollars, they're actually forced to go out there and hire people. Right. Or invest in it, into, capital expenditures. Yes. Or, or acquire companies sure. or bring in a new tech or whatever that, that is. That's why you're raising the money to show a faster way to grow. So to your point, people raise 20 million, hundred million, five million, right? They went out there and they hired all these people and then it didn't really come to fruition necessarily right away to profitability. So now they're coming into a new cycle and it's a, it's a whole new level of what leadership looks like, uh, which is why we bring up, um, the conversation today, which is the peacetime versus wartime CEO. And I think for 10 to 12 years or so, um, really this ride, think about it. If anybody started a business at two, since 2010, 2011, we've been in a rising economy, not just real estate, just a rising general economy, obviously a lot over the last couple of years, but since 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. So now 2012, 13, 14 weren't necessarily banger years, but they were certainly increasing. Uh, so it's just interesting to see that. So you could actually have operated as like a peacetime CEO, uh, versus more of this wartime CEO, which we're seeing come in there. And what's interesting is I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, movement in the higher level leadership, uh, of, of people that are being employed because what you really need is you need a wartime CEO right now. And you're probably going to need it for the next couple of years. Yeah, so well, let's just talk about what peacetime is. What's pe- like peacetime is a, in business is generally when the business has a competitive advantage and its market is growing. So yeah, I think that can that's definitely applicable to the past ten years, but also it can be a little bit more subjective based on like a particular industry. Yeah, niche, or the, yeah. Right, there's different like times that somebody might be in peacetime versus wartime. Yeah. But as a general economy and as a you yes. know a generalization. I don't think we're in peacetime anymore. Yeah, yeah. because when the economy is growing, you can make mistakes. You don't have to operate quite as fast. You can be more of that peacetime because it's just naturally growing. So the, fl- the the tide comes in and the water's just rushing. So you can just kind of ride that wave a little bit more. It doesn't mean it's, it's you, you it doesn't mean it's easy, right? But it's still difficult, but it becomes easier to make money or to be able to raise money or to get access to capital. Typically during that time, interest rates are low, which they've been. So the access to borrow monies becomes very cheap. So you can expand faster. All those economic factors are going into play um, in that kind of expansion peacetime. And so what is wartime? So wartime in business is when the business is facing an immediate threat from a competitor, the economic climate, or a major market shift which I would say was the past two years. Yeah. Well, um, well, I think wartime, I don't think it was the past two years. I mean, I would say COVID was wartime, the pandemic. No? Well, I don't think so. I think the, the uh, well, let me back. I think the- I think uh, you needed to be a wartime leader over during that time. There was no way you could be a peacetime leader over the past two years, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. Really? Because the market was so strong and so insensitive to the economy. But I don't think peacetime and wartime only has to do with the economy. I think it also has to do with competition. It has to do with um, different markets. And yes, while most of them were growing, I mean, we can't ignore the fact that there was immediate threats to people's businesses. For a month or two. I think it depends on who you talk to. 
but okay. For, no, 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 for the, you go, keep going because I think it's actually important. I'm just curious to get your perspective because I would. I don't think you can be, if we went through every single one of these that Ben Hor- Horowitz mentioned about what a peacetime versus a, a wartime CEO, I would I would guarantee the, the majority of the wartime definitions of what a wartime CEO needs to do needed to be employed over the past two years. Yeah, I would disagree with that. Um, wartime CEO violates protocol in order to win. I would say that was necessary over the past two years. Well, well, part of it, yeah, I, I think there's a shift, and I think part of it makes sense. But my the reason why I say it is because the economy grew so much, and it was, and there were so many consumers for every business that you could be sloppy with your business and really grow. Name any company that laid off employees during that period of time after the, the after years, the initial after the initial a lot COVID. did really. Yeah. Well, we have the lowest unemployment rate ever. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can argue with that. Well, that's what I'm just saying. We, yeah. we actually did. We haven't hired. Now, initially, people, they furloughed people when the COVID originally hit. Yeah. I think for those yeah. first couple of months, it was really bad. Yeah. But we have the lowest unemployment. We have okay. the highest GDP inflation that we've, which the highest inflation point. It's like <laughs> meaning that like the economy is absolutely I just bubbling. Feel like you need to have a war. You had to have, I think you needed to have a wartime mentality during. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. That's the war, a wartime CEO lets the war define the culture. Um, I just think people, I, I just think like, I, I want your perspective on it, yeah. which is good. Um, I just see it differently. Like, I think you needed to start switching to that. I think right now we're actually coming into where wartime is way more important sure, than being yes. a peacetime CEO. I would think so too, but I did not think people needed to be peacetime CEO for the past couple of years. I really don't. <laughs> well, maybe because we just, we didn't operate that way, but yeah. I, I think, I think a lot of people actually did though, because a lot of companies we weren't didn't. making money. Well, a lot of companies were just raising, I think about the the tech companies that are out there, the companies that were raising money that didn't bother turning a profit, right? They, and then, or the ones that were in existing businesses, just literally they, their businesses grew so much and there's so much demand in everything. I don't, not just real estate, but like ev- cars, everything, right? That you could charge outrageous prices so you could hide blemishes in how you operated. Yeah. I guess I just feel like from a leadership perspective, it, like another example is a peacetime CEO strives for broad-based buy-in. That wasn't happening during the two years of COVID. It was the wartime mentality, which was there was no time for consensus build, building. Like you just needed to take action and figure out how you were going to navigate your business. You weren't sitting around having meetings about having a meeting during the past two years. Or, you know, a peacetime CEO sets big, hairy, audacious goals. I don't think that was happening over the past two years. It was more of like, how are we going to shift? What do we need to do over the next quarter? And how are we going to keep our business running? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, I think there's elements to that. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to change your, your perspective on it, but. Um, yes. But all of that being said, I do think you're hundred percent right as a goal, like a, like a, a generalization. We're certainly more and more time now. Yes. I would also argue that you needed those wartime leadership skills over the past couple of years. I would almost argue, I think you almost need them all the time, to be honest with you. Like, I think the way we operate, you and I naturally operate in a wartime CEO almost all the time. I do. I, um, when I was kind of putting this stuff together and I wrote a blog about it for chiefs of staff specifically, um, a couple of weeks ago that I do think there are people who are naturally peacetime leaders and yes. there are people who are naturally wartime leaders. And you do need to be conscious of which one you are, because if you're, a wartime leader going into a peacetime um, company or just time frame, yes. like you're you're gonna probably piss a lot of people off and maybe have a lot of people leave because they just don't understand how you, you think. And in the meantime, if you're a peacetime leader and you go into a wartime environment or wartime organization, um, you may not get anything done. The team may not want to follow you. 
um, that there's going to be a culture clash. I just, you need to know who you are and you either need to be able to adjust or you need to go find a company that operates the way that you do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's well said in terms of you, 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 you can't, the leader in the cycle or the season, what it is in the organization itself makes a big difference. You could take an amazing leader and put him into a very entrepreneurial company, um, who operates more like wartime all the time and wartime doesn't, isn't that bad. Peacetime isn't bad. Wartime isn't good. Peacetime right. isn't good. It's just the way the cycle is, um, that that's not going to work for that organization and vice versa. If you take just like you said, if you take a wartime CEO and put them into more of a peacetime company that op, that has more um, characteristics to operate that way, then uh, it's going to be challenging for them to get people on board because the culture of that company more is that I think, um, um, kind of going back to where we were talking before, I think naturally we are, we've always been wartime since 2000. Well, we've we're always been a, Growth startup or yes, and, 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 and startups, startups kind of startup feel that way, yes, and, and, and without raising money, right, and kind of doing it right. ourselves to doing those. Because I think things. a peacetime company is when and you you have a competitive advantage. You're the number one in your market, and I don't want to say you can coast, but you can generally say you know things are good. You know you know your revenue is predictable. Yeah, you don't all of a sudden are going to have this competitor come in and disrupt your. Um, I mean, Amazon, I would say, is largely operates in peacetime all the time. I think they have the, yeah, I'd be curious to know, uh, to hear other people's opinion on that, because I, I would think that like actually Amazon operates a little bit like a wartime CEO, which oh is, God. which is, well, I think they have the advantage of being number one in their marketplace. Absolutely. And their market is growing. That's the definition of peacetime. Yeah, sure. I get that. But like, I think they actually bring in a, a wartime capacity to it as well. That's why they're always constantly, because let me give you an example of this. In the middle of all this, Amazon will go out there and lose a whole bunch of money in an industry just to put somebody out of business. And that to me, that strategy is more of that wartime, like super aggressive, like we're going to dominate and continue to be number one. And we're going to go out there and try to get every single one of them uh, of what they are. Um, I think there's, there's just elements to, to both sure. and it's, it's, it's those things. I think what's really important um, and why we kind of wanted to do this is one, I think we all have to, whether, by the way, Amazon lost $4 billion or $4.5 billion in the first quarter. The first time they've taken operating loss since 2015. Wow. So, and that's because they went, so maybe they did operate too much like a piece time because they went out and they, and they said 2 billion of that loss was directly related to overstaffing. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, so there it is, but they lost the first time they lost and that actually started sending the markets into the disarray that they're in today because of that loss that when Amazon reported now, I don't know what, what it's going to look like after. And I didn't really get on the, the full call to disclose that. But the point is right now in this time, as we do this right around June 1st, we are coming into a wartime position. Uh, well, so why don't you take us through some of, uh, and by the way, the peacetime wartime comes from the book, the hard things about hard things by Ben Horowitz. Um, you know, he, Ben Horowitz runs one of the largest hedge funds in the, uh, in the, in the, in the world, Andreessen uh, Horowitz. Horowitz. Yeah. So why don't you take us through the kind of what he talks about the difference between peacetime and wartime, and then people can kind of just start to get an idea of where they're at. Right, and I'll prove that I'm right as, along the way. <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> um, okay, so a peacetime CEO knows that proper protocol leads to winning, and a wartime CEO violates protocol in order to win. Yeah, yeah. I think there, it's it's peacetime CEO knows that proper protocol leads to winning, uh, which means that creating a bunch of um, like yeah, I just feel like you have the luxury of creating policies and procedures, yeah. and you're ensuring that everyone follows every 
you know, single make sure it gets there. Like the, they yeah. write every single thing in like their, their, their update. So everyone has bits of information that really nobody reads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's not like skirting the system yeah. in the war, in, during wartime, but it's just like, you know what, yeah. if we don't follow these, the 10 step checklist doesn't matter. We just need to get things done. Yeah. Um, Peacetime CEO focuses on the big picture and empowers her people to make detailed decisions. Wartime CEO cares about a speck of dust on a gnat's ass if it interferes with a prime directive. Yeah, for, that one for me just, again, goes back to they have the luxury of time or being number one in the market, and they're really focused on a lot of... Um, I mean, I'm a big believer in always focusing on career development and employee development, yeah. but I think that there's more of a focus on it then um, and empowering other people to make decisions. But wartime, like the leader just needs to take responsibility and, and lead yeah. their, their Yeah, their and you may, you may cut out 50% of the luxury classes that people are taking so people can get focused on staying alive. <laughs> I mean, that's right. right, and sometimes it can feel like micromanaging during yes. that time from, yeah. the, from the CEO yeah. or leader. Yeah. Okay, peacetime CEO builds scalable high-volume recruiting machines, and a wartime CEO does that but also builds HR organizations that can execute layoffs. Yeah. I think we kind of talked about that a little bit. I think that can go. That's kind of where I get tripped up a little bit in the last couple of years is they just went – every company went out and tried to hire and hire and hire, which is what drove the unemployment rate so low. Yet now we're coming into it, and they're executing tremendously every company, right? Or they're freezing hiring. I don't care what oh, company. Yeah, I yeah. just – it's every – Every article that's out there is like Facebook or the, I mean, by the way, did you see that Sheryl Sandberg left Facebook? Yes, I yes, did. I thought it was kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, she's actually looking for a chief of staff for her foundation right now. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I posted about that yesterday. Did you? Yeah. That's awesome. The, uh, and then again, the wartime CEO builds that HR organizations that can execute layoffs. Yeah. Okay. That, so one point for you so far. <laughs> <laughs> Peacetime CEO spends the time defining the culture. Wartime CEO lets the war define the culture. That I think was particularly true over the couple of couple of years. You know, like it was just for me to me, it was not. Yeah, I'll give you that. All one. of these cultural conversations, <laughs> yeah, um, it, just because there wasn't really like the the, the time or energy. Well, I think the war in your into your point. I mean, maybe it's a three quarter point. Then um, it's like because like the the, the it, war defined the culture. Yeah, like, because like the war being like at home, yes. you know, luxury services or businesses moving from, you know, having in-room dining to just doing takeout, like that defined right. the new culture of and what it looks like. who was going to stay with that organization and fight yes. through with them and who was going to go look for other opportunities because it no longer, you know, either aligned with them or they didn't want to be part of the war. Exactly. Yeah. Peacetime CEO always has a contingency plan. Wartime CEO knows that sometimes you got to roll a hard six. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know, I don't even really know what that analogy means. Yeah, no, I know. It's just, it, it's like a, it's funny how Ben, if you haven't read the book too, it kind of is there, but like he like starts off the book with like a DMX quote too, or an Eminem quote. Is either Eminem or DMX? It's one it's of the two. Probably, and he loves um, yeah. like hip hop. Yes, he yeah. does. Yeah, he uses why, a lot of that. Like roll a hard six just means like you just got to have to like go up there and like. Is that like a, is that like, 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 like a, a yeah. um, gambling analogy? Like uh, a six and with dice? Die? I, I think it's more about like going up there and just like slapping people around. Oh. Like that's kind of what, how I take that. Like you just got to roll. I mean, it could be, I don't think it's a gambling. Oh, thing. so maybe you don't know what that means. I either. don't know specifically, <laughs> but. Um, I thought it was maybe gambling related. Yeah. I just think it's like, you gotta like, it's like, you gotta go take care of the issue with immediate yeah. urgency. It's right, kind of right. like this hard energy that goes Again, into you're it. You're not sitting around having meetings about having meetings about and making plans. Meetings, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Hence what happened over the past two years. Just saying. <laughs> 
It's a half point for each. Peacetime CEO knows what to do with a big advantage. Wartime CEO is paranoid. And I think that is like the, um, uh, I think, I think paranoia doesn't mean you're not optimistic about the future. It just means you're always navigating and seeing what can go wrong Mm -hmm. so that you're taking corrective action in the organization and not being lazy on kind of what you were, what you were doing. And I could argue that honestly in the last couple of years, and this is not what the focus is, but the last couple of years, like I think some people did get lazy because their profits were so large um, that they didn't do it. And I think other industries and other companies made changes to actually to really facilitate yeah. to become paranoid of what's going to happen. Well, I just think of retail and restaurants. You know, I also think there's just a, there's this like the past couple of years, there's just been this energy buildup. And I think we're on that precipice of that kind of dropping of like, this is too good to be true. So there was that paranoia that I was a little bit in there. Like it's almost like companies, at least I know that we kind of looked at this like, when's this going to end? When's this going to end with everyone just kind of saying that. I think we're now seeing that we're on the edge of like the race starting to begin or that start it's dropping. It's, you can see it. So now it's like now be paranoid about, um, not in a negative way, but start looking at things that you can really do to, um, to put yourself in a position to take it full advantage, uh, over the next couple of years. Peacetime CEO strives not to use profanity. Wartime CEO sometimes uses profanity purposefully to get your trips going. Right. It's like when sometimes you got to raise your voice. I heard Tom Brady said in a huddle one time, he said, sometimes I go in there and the team is completely down and I just use a soft voice. Sometimes they're, 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 uh, they're, they're super high. And I use a soft voice. Sometimes they're super low. I use a loud voice and vice versa. It just depends on the energy of the team. And I think that's kind of the same thing here is like, sometimes you walk into a meeting and you're like, what the hell is wrong with everybody? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why are you guys so quiet? You to like, um, uh, like you get pattern the, interrupt. Yeah, exactly. It's like, a, it's like just you just use words like that purposefully yes. um, to pattern interrupt. Which actually goes to this other one. The peacetime CEO does not raise her voice. Wartime CEO rarely speaks in a normal tone. Similar to what we were just talking about. Like, yeah, that's exactly again, right. Again, they have the, that luxury of everything's great. Yes, exactly. Great job, team. Yeah, that wartime CEO rarely speaks in a normal tone at all. Right, they, right. Just, they just they walk very, around. Yeah, direct. Yes, yes. I would just say a lot, probably, it's probably very direct. Maybe there's some profanity in there as well. <laughs> Put in a good way, not at a person. Just no, at the, just at the, at the, like, let's fire let's people Let's go. Like, let's this go. is what we're doing. We're playing, right? I mean, it's like. That's why it, I am definitely more of a wartime leader. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Peacetime CEO thinks of the competition as other ships in a big ocean that they may never engage. Wartime CEO thinks the competition is sneaking into their house and trying to kidnap her children. Yeah, that, that almost sounds a little bit like that paranoid thing. Yes. Um, but just... Yeah, having contingency—not contingency plans. Well, you, you start paying attention yes, when, when, to, to all the other companies. Like, what are they doing? Who are they hiring? What are they going after? Right, and you make counter moves so that they don't actually come in there, and you start putting up defenses so that you start building a moat around your company. Well, I was going to say, or go on the offensive yes. and either buy out other companies, or That's exactly right, you know, do things like that. Peacetime CEO aims to expand the market. Wartime CEO aims to win the market. Yes, generally wartime. Leaders are not um, number one or two in their market. Yeah, I like that. Peacetime CEO works to minimize conflict. Wartime CEO heightens the contradictions. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just there. It's kind of that, that same theme, right? It just heightens everything. Where it's just there. There's an urgency, right? There's a sense of, and it's not. It's not you that's urgent. It's just there's there's an urgency in the organization to get out there. And and I also think during any recession that is coming or any storm clouds that are coming is a great opportunity for every organization to trim the fat that's in the organization to make um to make moves that maybe were luxuries before and then get rid of R and D that didn't make sense. Right. Uh, get rid of things that aren't, that aren't 
100% focused on uh, deriving cash flow, right? I mean, it comes down to like this, it's, it's comes down to how does your business make money, right? The simplistic way and put your resources there. You know, this is a great example of when, when Steve Jobs came into Apple, Apple, uh, 97, it was wartime CEO. They were working on 200 different items. They had 90 days left of cash in the bank and they were losing over a billion dollars a year. Right. So that was, that's a wartime position. He came in there and he laid off 90% of the workforce. Right. Or I don't know exactly what the percentage, but basically laid off a tremendous amount of people because they're like, none of this matters. I'm not going to do it. Narrowing it down to only 10 things, which then they narrowed it down to one thing, which was the iPod, which by the way, no longer is in service, yes, yeah. but they, that's what they focused we're on. No longer producing it. No longer producing it, which that's what they continue to focus on. They put all the resources on that. And then they layered in through profit growth, not through uh, free access to capital growth. Peacetime CEO strives for broad-based buy-in. Wartime CEO neither indulges consensus building nor tolerates disagreements. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of talked about that one. It's just like the, the wartime CEO just needs to make decisions. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I see it. Not yeah. that they're not listening to other people, but they're not sitting around having committees yes. about making a decision or they're, it's maybe they're, they're going to one or two of their key advisors yeah. or key leaders and making the decision. Or they're in the meeting going, we're going to make a decision in this meeting. So everyone get in here and say what you want to say. And then when it's out of this, we're executing on it. Not like let's meeting and let's meet next week. And then let's meet next right. week. I've seen that. And let's get <laughs> it, an executive sponsor That's who's exactly then going right. to start yeah. trickling it down from leadership to then to the team. And like, no, it's just like an immediate immediate change. I agree. Peacetime CEO sets big, hairy, audacious goals. Wartime CEO is too busy fighting the enemy to read management books written by consultants who have never managed a fruit stand. Arguably my favorite line in that <laughs> entire book. There is so many people that write books. Yeah, they're based on theory or academic like, research. Yes, that have yeah. never managed a fruit stand. Yes. And I just always laugh at that. It's just the, it's it's so true. When we were doing this over in a group, there's, you know, I don't know, 500 people in the room and everyone laughed at this one the most. Um, it was just actually so funny because it is so true. Like, because it, it makes sense in theory. Yeah. It doesn't, all business does. All business plans, you get them in, 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 on paper because people always come to like, oh, on paper it makes sense. Why well, I hope it would. Yeah. <laughs> like, or like setting your big goals or big yes. why, but you know, have those people ever built yes. and run businesses? Yes. And, Fired people and hired people and worried about how to make payroll and yeah. and, the, and the intricacies of goes on to running an actual business. Peacetime CEO trains her employees to ensure satisfaction and career development. Wartime CEO trains her employees so they don't get their ass shot off in battle. Yeah, I like that one personally. Yeah, me too. Um, to me, that just means more so focusing on um, keeping them very focused, but also, I mean, I think both want, both are taking care of your employees. Yes. One is more of like, let's grow, let's get you into training, let's whatever. The other one to me is more of like, what do you need today? How can I support you? Here's a weapon. Right now. If you're in battle. Yes. Right, yes. Whether that's like, go, go outside for a walk or yes. here's a tool to help support you, whatever it is, but just like immediate support. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. Peacetime CEO trains her employees to ensure satisfaction in career development. We just talked about oh, that, yeah, one. that one. Yeah. Peacetime CEO has rules like we're going to exit all businesses. We're not, we're try that again. Peacetime CEO has rules like we're going to exit all businesses where we're not number one or number two. Wartime CEO often has no business that are number one or number two, and therefore does not have the luxury of following that rule. Self-explanatory. Yes. So then the question comes down as to, are you naturally more of a peacetime or wartime leader? Yeah. And that's kind of what we were talking about before. Like you really do need to know which way you naturally lean yeah. and then understand where your company is at. I mean, yes, there's this, there's kind of the external factors, but even regardless of the external factors, you, your company may in fact be 
the number one in the market and therefore may have a massive competitive advantage and might still be operating in peacetime, even though the rest of the world is in wartime. Yeah. And if you are more peacetime, it doesn't mean you can't thrive. It just means that you may want to go in there and accelerate and hire somebody or lean more on to more of that wartime strategy that you can bring into play. If you're a good enough leader, I think you can, you can navigate where the current market oh, conditions so are too. at. Yeah. It just requires you to be aware of who you are. I mean, I, that self-awareness as a leader is so critical. And then say, okay, well, I naturally operate more as peacetime, which I slow things down. I kind of go that you may have to speed up a lot in some of those meetings. I think I just, and change I, your communication style sometimes and yes, the channels of communication and, and, and yeah, you have to adjust. Yeah. So I think the the things, no matter what organization you're in is number one is just, just get rid of all expenses that aren't bolted down. Right. Which basically what just means is that you're not seeing a direct ter- <clears throat> return on profit or turn on investment from it, I would just get rid of them right now. It doesn't mean lay off people, by the way. That could be it. And we explained why. I wanted to start off by explaining why laying off people, um, you're seeing a lot of companies do it, is because they just had all this money they had to spend. They actually had to spend it, so they hired all these people. Um, that's one of the reasons why we're actually, the unemployment rate is the way it is. A bunch of reasons, but one of the reasons is because companies hired it. Now they're starting to lay off people. They're going, these don't matter, these don't matter, these don't matter. Um, I don't mean matter as human beings, matter in terms of, driving the company to profitability. Right. Or the company did not hit their profitability yes. targets and yes. therefore had to. Adjust. Exactly. And I think the other thing is, and so you, you get rid of those expenses, play the game with this, right? Take every month and just have your financial people or you, if that's you take 10, just make a list of 10% of the expenses that you could cut this month and then either cut all of them or cut half of them. Right. I always go in and say like, think about all the expenses that you can cut. And people are like, I can't cut any. I go, yeah, you can. And so it's like, go in there and say, what's, what can I cut? If you have, if you have made a list of 10, maybe you only cut one that month. Maybe it's $50. Maybe it's a hundred dollars. Maybe it's a hundred thousand depending on the size of your company. But either way, cut one expense every month, the smallest amount for the next six months and make it a game. See how much you can actually, we did this in our organization, by the way, mm-hmm. several times over the last 15 years of just cutting when you feel like you're a little bit too bloated and you start cutting things and it narrows the focus by the way. Um, and that's the other thing that you really want to do is by cutting it, you're actually, you're, you're removing distractions from people and you're aligning them to what's really important, which is one of the most important things a leader can do, right? Cast a vision and provide clarity. That clarity is we don't, don't concentrate on those three other things we're doing. Go do this, right? That's our bread and butter. And that's what we're going to stick to. And that's where we're going to, that's what we're going to put our energy on right now. I also just think that is just a good example of wartime leadership versus, I don't know if this example really applies, but I sometimes think about Google, who's clearly, you know, one of yeah. the top people in their market. Um, you know, they, their employees have that 20%, I think it's a 20% rule where they spend 20% of their time just kind of exploring different yeah. options and opportunities. Like in wartime, that wouldn't, it doesn't that wouldn't be an option. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's not going to happen for the next couple of years. And so I think people, but, still, need, but my point is that, but Google still does it because yeah. they're a peacetime company, regardless yes. of what the market does. Yeah. And, and frankly, they may, um, they may have so much cash available or like Amazon, they can still do some of those things. It doesn't yeah. mean you don't hire people. I mean, we're hiring people right now. It doesn't mean you yeah, don't invest yeah. into other parts of it. Just anything else that doesn't matter, especially if your company is on the verge of profitability, that's where you really got to make sure you're making correct actions. So what I would do is I would take this, I would share it. Um, I would, I would use this conversation as a starting point for you and your team. If you have some people listen to this, go read the book, um, is a great way to do that as well too, or just listen to this podcast that sparks the conversation. I mean, we're not perfect in this, but the reality is, is if you can just start the whole purpose of Hallie and I sitting down to do this for you was to start getting you to think about where the mark, where the, where's the puck going to be? 
Where are we going with the puck? And, um, and so we can go meet us there where the market is and start making some of these changes. And here's the best thing. If you make these changes to your organization and a year from now, nothing happens, you just enjoy the entire fruit of everything that you just did even more. Um, and it's just a really good realignment of everything in your organization. So have fun doing this. Hey everybody, thanks for listening today. You know that time will always be a challenge, but you can become more disciplined and focused in how you spend that time. All of us here at Adam Hergenrother Companies make use of a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly planner we call our execution plan. To grab a template of this planner to help focus your goals and start maximizing your time, go to founderenforcemultiplier.com slash execution dash plan to download it for free. And again, that's founderenforcemultiplier.com slash execution dash plan. Have a wonderful day.